Hello everybody, I am Julia and this is Julia and the Joy of Film and this episode I have a guest, finally, this is Jax, you say hello? Hi everybody! Me and Jax work on Film Inquiry together, but I've done doing this thing now where I'm asking everybody about their kind of relationship with film and you have studied film, you're doing your PhD in film at the moment, is it on Brakash? Yeah, that's right, yeah, and um, and conventions, poetry, looking at how we can sort of reconsider Brackage from a convention of poetry rather than film. That's such a cool idea because you can't really uh, like analyze him like in the normal way. Exactly. That's um, my argument is that um, because he separated himself from industry, for, for listeners that don't know, Stan Brackage was an active filmmaker from the 1950s all the way up to 2003. He made like 400 films. Really? Yeah, oh, he has God, a like, huge body of work. Like Jean-Luc Goddard is still going as well, which I find amazing. Or at least I hope he is. I hope he hasn't died and I don't know about it. Is Jean-Luc Goddard I, I still alive? Anything. I haven't heard anything. I should, so. I should fact check that afterwards. Um, but I should say, actually, Jax has got an American accent, but she is studying in Bradford. That's right. Yeah, I'm, so I'm living in Bradford, studying in Norwich, and I'm from America. So I don't know... <laughs> It's good. You were born in Britain, though. Is that right? My mom's from Britain, so I have citizenship. So it's, it's a really confusing kind of uh, hodgepodge so cool, of, of, of nationalities I've got going on here. That would be great to just jump back and forth, like, as you wish. Like, you probably won't because, like, your husband's here. But, like, still, it'd be nice to just, like, bounce back and forth. It is nice to be able to go in the short line both ways. Yeah, <laughs> line. we should talk about film stuff. Let us get on to news. I had lots of trailers coming out and I don't usually... Do you watch trailers? I know a lot of people don't. I avoid trailers. I think I think when um, for people like yourself and myself, we study film and um, we know the codes. So watching yeah. trailers gives a lot away for me. Um, so I, I, if it's a film I really want to see, I avoid it. If it's a film I don't care about too much, I will. I, I do enjoy the checking trailers out. It's sort of problematic. What I find these days is the great thing: if a trailer has come out, it means there's a release date. <laughs> but there's a couple. We already there's a there's a new trailer for Ghostbusters two, which should be fun because apparently the first one is the most disliked trailer in history on YouTube of all time. Of all time, it's a bit yeah. crazy. There's just lots of, um, uh, what do you call it, misogynistic blokes going, I don't like it, I don't like it on principle. I know apparently they don't like it because they don't see why they need to be a reboot. But then they were okay with the Point Break reboot, which I don't understand. It's, now, I don't know much <laughs> about the Point Break reboot. Is a man directing the Point Break reboot? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> now see, this is interesting. <laughs> I think it is anyway. It's like Catherine Bigelow. We love you, Catherine Bigelow, but not enough. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not. Ka I'm not Catherine Brigelow's biggest fan. But if I found out someone was going to remake Point Break, I would have been pissed. Let's see. Let's. I mean, I. I know. I haven't seen the trailer for the uh, for the new Ghost Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters but um, I, you know, I'll probably see the film. But again, mm. I, I. I don't have any strong feelings either way about whether it's women or men or. I yeah, mean, like me neither. It's, it's weird that because suddenly, like I think I chatted to someone on another podcast, suddenly we're brought into this debate now, which makes it like this big feminist debate. And it's like, it's just another Ghostbusters film. Can't we just enjoy it if it's good? And then if it's not good, it's like, 
Oh, this is like my uh, fortnightly grump about Ghostbusters, you know, the people who don't like Ghostbusters too. <laughs> well, I mean, that's fair. Enough. I think it's, um, you're in the realm of remakes, so, you know, your complaints are limited already. You're not going to do anything yeah. about the fact that Hollywood's going to keep remaking films because they're making money off of it. So, you know, you need to find a better reason <laughs> to dislike yeah. a film. <laughs> Just gotta wait till it comes out, and you know, do be a bit analytical. Speaking of extra sequels and remakes, the Star Trek Beyond had another trailer. I don't know why they have feel the need to have so many trailers, but that's out in July, along with Ghostbusters Two. The Assassin's Creed trailer came out. I don't know anything about Assassin's Creed. I'm not a gamer, but um, I was just watching it, and I was like, this just reminds me of clips I've seen from the computer game, which I suppose makes sense. It's Michael Fassbender, though, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I'll see it for that. I mean... <laughs> yeah, me too. That's that's worthwhile. He's, he's at, least, at least a great actor. I've never played the Assassin's Creed games, and I am a gamer, but... No. Um, it's apparently a fantastic story. Yeah, that's what people say. It's... um, so, I, I came out of a showing of Prince of Persia years ago, and there was this girl walking behind me, and she said to her friend, she said, oh, they just ripped off Assassin's Creed. And I was like, does she know Prince of Persia is a computer game too? She, so I'm very bright. But then I was in an audience one time, and this guy was describing to this girl Gross Point Blank, the film Gross Point Blank. Yeah. And he said, oh, Dan Aykroyd's in it. And she's like, who's Dan Aykroyd? And he goes, I did Ghostbusters. And she was like, what's Ghostbusters? Oh, God. <laughs> it's so silly. Um, what else? Actually, yeah. just before I was talking to you, uh, they've released a teaser for the live-action Beauty and the Beast, which is I out next March. What are we? What are our thoughts? I haven't watched the teaser, but what do we think just in, of the concept? I the thing is, I really like Dan Stevens, and it seems a bit weird to like constantly rehash these old stories because the Beauty and the Beast animation was so good but then you know the, these stories were written like 200 years ago when did the grim no is Beauty and the Beast a grim fairy tale I don't know yeah, if it is I, I don't know if it's grim but it's it's if it's not grim it's um Hans Christian Andersen it's, it's, yeah it's Andersen it's one of I mean it is a classic tale it's not it, Disney didn't invent it yeah that's the thing I think people thought think that Disney invented all of these but I'm kind of I didn't think I would like the Cinderella, the live-action Cinderella, but I loved it. So I am kind of interested by this. Yeah, I mean, they're doing well with them. Um, yeah, and it's it's kind of fun. I think there's a for for people our generation. There's a nostalgic aspect, and there's then there's introducing you know the current generations to the stories in a new way. Um, so I don't I don't really have a problem with it necessarily. I I have a healthy skepticism maybe. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I mean Dan St I love Dan Stevens, but recently I'm a uh Watson, I've been watching her and things and I've been a bit like, Oh, you know, like I watched this film last year called Regression with her and Ethan Hawke. And yeah. it was like a really pants film. And it was by the guy who directed the others, Amanda Bar, and I was like, That wasn't good at all. He should have tried harder. But yeah, Emma Watson, I don't know these days. I mean, I love Hermione, but still. I like, I mean, yeah. I just, I kind of dig her sort of whole vibe. She's got a really good way that she presents herself. This um, is true, yeah. But yeah, as, a, as an actress, she, she was great in Harry Potter. I haven't seen enough of her other work, really, to judge her beyond that. 
Yeah, she hasn't been in enough. The thing is, because I think she wanted to study and do charity work. Maybe now if she does more stuff, we'll be able to, I don't know, assess her better. Yeah. <laughs> Which sounds really awful. We've come to assess you, Emma Watson. <laughs> yeah, um, of those kids, the only one that really um, actively pursued major roles was Daniel Radcliffe. Yeah. Rupert Grint's been in some great films, but I mean, Daniel Radcliffe's the only one that's really gone out of that Harry Potter realm. I'm really excited for it. Have you seen the trailer for Swiss Army Man? I have, yeah. I really, I'm really looking forward to it. That just looks so awesome. When they talk about role. it at Sundance, I yeah. thought that sounds brilliant. Yeah. I go, on, a, I go in on, on about it on the podcast quite a lot. There still isn't a release date for it. If anyone's listening and is curious, Swiss Army Man is Paul Dano and Dan Radcliffe. There's a guy on an island and a corpse washes ashore and he basically uses the corpse as like a... A, like a jet ski and like a vehicle to like get back to normality. It looks really mental and it looks awesome. Yeah, it's out in the states and in July, actually. I think. Right? Yeah, Daniel Radcliffe plays the corpse. That's. It does sound pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, what else have we got? My Scientology movie, which is this Louis Theroux movie about Scientology. They've just got a distribution release date, I think in the autumn, which I'm quite excited about because I saw Going Clear recently. And um I'm kind of keen now to because I always stayed away, like Scientology, I tried to stay away from as far as possible. And um with this it's do you have you watched many Louis Theroux documentaries? I'm I'm not because I wasn't familiar with him until I moved here. So I haven't really Yeah, he's quite stingy based what he did he started making a documentary about scientology and when he was making it in an effort to deter him they started making a film about him so his documentary ended up being about them filming him so it's a bit weird it's a bit meta <laughs> that sounds fair anyway that's um <coughs> excuse me as it's out in the autumn i was ha- quite happy but i heard about this um rocky horror picture show like new version yeah. and I was a bit freaked out but apparently it's just a tv movie so I don't think it's any great threat yeah it's just it's um I was talking with um sort of an lgbt group about it and they're really upset actually uh by the casting yeah yeah it is a bit weird the idea because Laverne Cox is playing Dr. Frankenfurter yeah and I thought that was very odd because the whole idea of Frankenfurter I thought is that he was supposed to be I don't know without uh sexual sort of um designation yeah he's omnisexual isn't he yeah and he's kind of um and when you take like he is a transvestite specifically that is like specified in the film mm. not transgender not not drag queen but transvestite so it's I think but the, there's a huge debate over terminology now. Um, yeah. I mean, this is one person's opinion. This is, I, I don't really have an opinion on it um, either way. But this was, I thought it was interesting that this particular group of people that were um, active in the LGBT community were really against the casting uh, because of how it represented the character I of Frankenberger. weird. Yeah, because it's like, because they've got Laverne Cox in that role, and because Laverne Cox has been such a kind of great sort of um, transgender icon, it, it sort of mixed, I don't know, it just felt, didn't feel right for me, but I, I haven't really quite figured out why yet. Yeah, it's it's a, it's an odd one, and it's, 
um, something maybe I don't think I'm the person to investigate it, but I think somebody yeah. should. <laughs> yeah, it's worth it's worth talking about. Maybe after we've seen it, maybe that's out um, on Halloween if anyone. Yes. Yeah, so yeah, we'll maybe reserve judgment until we see what they've done. See with it, it. Yeah. Uh, another Transformers movie is going to be out. Uh, Michael so, Bay's so when roving the eye. Michael Bay, I'm putting out a call now. I can't pay you, but <laughs> we need to. He needs to be brainwashed out of his Victoria's Secret fascination. We need to like hold up pictures to him and just slap him like the Victoria's Secret's catalog and go, "No, Michael Bay." Wah! I just hit my microphone off my desk. Um, but it is Michael Bay. He just like, I will have a Victoria's Secret model in this film. Things will blow up at sunset, a bit of Bayham. And it's just ridiculous. It's just, and he is directing this one. Did you just it's, say Bayham? Yeah. Have you not heard that one before? <laughs> I've never heard that before. The definition of Bayham is blowing up shit at sunset. That's, oh, it, that's fantastic. I, the first thing I, place I read it was Total Film, and I'm not sure if they coined the you know the phrase, but I think it's just I think it works. I will be using that actively. Yeah, it's very good. Um, I was kind of interested by this though because it's the whole Mark Wahlberg, Josh Hamill thing, but Jean Dujardin and Stephen Merchant are rumored to be in it, and I thought actually that kind of sounds weirdly enough to be cool. Like I might watch it. Don't make me want to see this movie. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe just watch the bits. If Jean Dujardin is in it, he's such a charming man. Mm. The problem is, if you want to watch him in, like, I really love a certain group of French actors, but because French films don't get advertised to us, my only way to find out where these films are is to basically go on, like, Jean Dujardin's IMDb and then, like, see if the films have been on DVD in the UK. That's the only way I can find them. Um, but that is out. I think that's out next year sometime. Also out next year is Thor Ragnarok, which I'm only excited about because Thor isn't my favourite superhero because Taika Waititi is directing it, who did um, uh, What We Do in the Shadows. Oh, cool. Which is quite cool and weird. That's an interesting choice. I love Taika. It's, I don't know why they handed it to him because like he's made a couple of good indie films. I mean, What We Do in the Shadows is so funny, but it's like... They're doing that a lot lately with blokes who've made like little indie films. They're like, and now you can have this massive American movie franchise. They've there are also doing... ladies here. Yeah, Marvel's been doing that. Um, I mean, James Gunn getting Guardians of the Galaxy. Yes, I, was I, to me a surprise because he he hadn't really done any major films that were hugely successful. I mean, he'd handled feature films before, but nothing on that scale. And then they hand him this major film in the franchise, and and they're they're having a lot of success with these small indie directors. It's like um they gave Colin Trevorrow um the uh, Jurassic World as well, and I was like Colin Trevorrow. As far as I could tell, he made Safety Not Guaranteed, which is a lovely little film. But then they just handed him Jurassic World. Meanwhile, there's other people, I may say that maybe some women who want some of these films and they're like, and they're like, no, 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 I, I made a new friend. I met a bloke down the pub and he also makes films and I'm going to hand this to him. It seems like a lot of buddying going on. I don't want to like cast aspersions, but um, anyway. Yeah, uh, I don't, yeah. 
but it's going to Kate Blanchett and Jeff Goldblum and Mark Ruffalo apparently going to be in Thor Ragnarok, which might make me want to watch it. I heard about that, and well, I'll see anything with Jeff Goldblum in it. Essentially, he's and, awesome, and Kate Winslet. the The fact that both of them are in it is like oh, a, Kate Kate Blanchett. Oh, oh Kate Blanchett. Now. Oh, even better. I'm sorry. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, Kate Blanchett. Manon and, and I have discussed at length our our you know our crushes on Kate Blanchett. <laughs> she's awesome. She's just yeah. like she's tall and she's just lovely. I kept thinking she was really tall because they kept going, "Oh, she is a very tall lady." But I think she's tall by Hollywood standards. She's the same height as me, so I'm like, "Oh, I could be Kate Blanchett if I was like if I lost like two stone or something like that." Um, I still haven't seen Carol, actually. I've got to see that. I haven't seen Carol, and everybody's been talking about it on Film Inquiry. Yeah, we've got so, to get around to it. Very um, but what? Oh, I'm so happy this year. I didn't notice Can was on until it finished because it kind of bugs me a lot. Because like everybody's Twitter is like everybody at Can, everybody wearing high heels at Can, and it bugs me. But I was quite happy because Ken Loach won the Palm Door for I Daniel Blake. Andrea Arnold won the jury prize for the third time for American Honey. She made um have you seen Red Road or Fish Tank? Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, I know Fish Tank. Yeah. Scott, yeah. Is she I didn't realise she ran won the jury prize three times. It's because she's awesome. <laughs> I've written actually I wrote a profile about her on Film Inquiry, so I shall put it in the little information box thing down by here. Um, anything you've particularly looking forward to? Any news you've heard about? Um, well, it was. It's actually. I mean, I was going to cheat a bit, but yeah, because it's one of the films um, I was going to talk about. But we can we can talk about it now if like. But they announced Sherlock three, and I am so excited. <laughs> like, like, like a little giddy nerd. I am just. I'm. I'm practically trying to plan a trip to try and get a job. <laughs> Just sneaking. Yeah. Are you are you a Sherlock fan or are you I, like a Robert Downey fan? Both. Well, I was actually. It's Sherlock is the reason I'm a Robert Downey Jr. fan. Oh. I um I read the books as a kid, particularly Hand of the Baskervilles, like I think hundreds of times, just over and over again. And I was literally dragged to see the first film. Hmm. I really thought it was going to be terrible. I thought they'd ruined everything that Sherlock Holmes was about. Um, I didn't understand why Guy Ritchie had been given it. And, um, and then I walked out of the theater going, this was the best Sherlock Holmes film I've ever seen. It was so faithful to the books. And it was, you know, and, um, and so, yeah, I'm just a huge fan of the series now, uh, of, of films, as well as the, the BBC series. But, um, yeah, so I'm very, very excited. That's my that's my big excitement of the week. You see, that's why I say people can never like when people go, "Oh, I wouldn't like that film. I'm not gonna go see that film. It's not my kind of thing." And I'm like, that film could end up being like your favorite film ever. And people don't listen. People go, "No, I know what I, I have a friend who does that." He goes, "I know what I like. I know what I like." And I'm like, "You don't know until you've tried it." Oh, that's uh, good because I, I didn't know about that. I like to, you know, I like to think I'll try anything. I mean, sometimes cool. I'm quite skeptical. Uh, my husband and I have very different movie tastes, uh, nope. and he we've we've been sitting watching films, and he's just he's turned to me and gone, "You're hating this, aren't you?" And I'm like, "Yeah." He's like, "We, <laughs> we can turn, we can watch something else." Like, okay, 
Yeah, I, I took my nan and one day at the cinema I went took her to see A Scanner Darkly and Snakes on a Plane. Your and nan? She, yeah, my nan. <laughs> and because nanny will just watch anything. And um I she refers to now, she always goes on about my film taste and she goes, oh, I love Snakes in a Plane. That was an awesome film. But then she goes, But then you took me to see a scanner darkly. And she doesn't she won't forgive me for taking her to see a scanner darkly. Really? But her favorite film is I Deliverance, which is really creepy. It is really creepy. I can see why someone wouldn't like it. It's yeah. um well, it's like, it kind of creeps me out more that it's her favorite film because like it's about a bunch of guys getting like attacked, and it's just like <laughs> it's all a bit weird. What was I thinking of? Oh, right, on to review stuff is probably important. I went to the other week. We had this well, the first Wales. In Wales International Documentary Festival, which basically meant the town where my family come from, so it's just a few miles away. They brought this all these people who I'm not sure were Welsh decided to be a great place to put on a film festival, and I watched about twenty four shorts and features, and not all of them were great. But if anyone's listening who kind of will try short films, short documentaries, it's a great film called The Third Dad, which is about this um. Uh, woman, uh, she's an artist and a filmmaker, and she goes off to find the grave of her father who uh, died from alcoholism, and it's really good. And it's taking, it's making the rounds of the festival, so it's not actually available online at the moment, but it's really cool. But there is a short documentary everyone can watch online called My Brief Eternity, which is about. It's really cool. It's about this um, Welsh artist called Ozzy Rhys Osmond. And he painted, he was dying of cancer, and he decided to paint a painting that he would never finish. And the short is all about, like, um, uh, sort of our place, our existence, and how we get remembered and things like that. And sorry, this is like, I, I watched a lot of films, but I'm only going to go over these. There's a great documentary called Hot Men, Cold Dictatorships, which is about um, Hungarian men who lived in the under the communist regime, what it was like to be gay. And that's really cool. And there's another film called The Roots Remain, which won Best Feature at the festival. And that um, is about a Montreal graffiti artist going to Cambodia, trying to explore like why his parents left Cambodia. Wow. And it's... But it was really like it was a few days of just all stories from everywhere, like Croatia and Serbia and all this stuff. And I am writing something for Film Inquiry. So if anyone is interested, they can read about it there. And I've been watching too many documentaries. Watched another documentary on Netflix called Tig, which is about Tig Notaro. Uh, I've been really wanting to see that because this is she got. If, correct me if I'm wrong, but she got diagnosed with cancer and then decided to do a comedy show about it, right? Yeah. And this is this documentary. It's oh, but it get, it's like worse than that. First of all, she gets she gets C difficile, and then her mum dies. I hope I'm not giving too much away. Her mum dies, and then she gets diagnosed with cancer, and she's like, all I can do at this point is laugh about it. But um, Tigmatar, she's so funny, and it has such a great sort of happy, not a happy ending so much, but uh, it's on Netflix if anyone wants to watch it. I also watched one on Netflix called Chick- Chuck Norris versus Communism. And this is, have you seen that? I've have you seen heard it. About it's it? come up on my Netflix feed. It's, uh, yeah, go on. I had, I had a friend who was a Czech and I met, I think his girlfriend was Romanian. And they used to tell me about how you'd get these black market tapes in the 80s and you'd get like Back to the Future. But it was all dubbed by like one voice. 
And this is what this Chuck Norris versus communism is about. It's about the people who used to dub the videotapes. Oh, cool. They used to sell them on the black market. And that's pretty cool, if anyone wants to watch that. And I watched Grandma, because I'm writing something about uh, representations of senior citizens on screen. And Grandma, it's a really kind of fun film, but you look at it going, this is supposed to be making like older people look really cool and sharp and snazzy. But she's just Lily Tomlin's in it, and she's like really emotionally over the top all the way through it. It's a fun film, but um, it's a bit odd. It's I was going to say something about Lily up. Tomlin, but go on. go on. Yo, no, you say about Lily Tomlin. I was just going to say that she's such a um, sort of a powerful actress that I think she needs a when when she's directed, she needs to sort of be brought back. Yeah, it's, you know. Like in Grandma, she's very... I'm not sure if it was her or the character. It's highly emotional all the way through it. Or maybe it was just someone's idea of what a really cool senior citizen would be like. Like she tries to beat up her uh, granddaughter's um, boyfriend and then she like swears at her ex-girlfriend. She just goes around generally being a pain in the ass. Yeah. And um, But it's, it's an okay film though. But one thing I really kind of stupidly loved even though i'm not sure how great it is i watched this this old disney film called the black hole that my brother-in-law recommended to me on a podcast just before christmas and it's like one of those proper 79 disney special effects like when they were just learning how to do special effects so everything's yeah it's just it's like all like all the robots are like really clunky or they're just like you know they've got like like they do on Doctor Who you know with the humans in like outfits yeah (laughs) and it's but it's it's really fun if anyone wants to see it I mean the most exciting bit is right at the beginning and then I guess a bit you know slow but it's still quite fun um anything else you've seen have you seen anything really good recently or even if it wasn't really good (laughs) um we probably already talked about Batman no I haven't talked about Batman I saw that that the last couple films I saw in theaters, so I saw Batman versus Superman, which was, I wanted to walk out. Was so, <laughs> I thought it was so terrible. That's okay. Um, and then what, what was this? I saw something else. Oh, God. I, I hate that. It wasn't, it wasn't Captain America, because my husband saw that and I didn't. Um, let's see if I can figure it out. But... Uh, I do a lot of like binge watching on TV, mm. so it's I, I tend to watch just like TV shows. So like Bosch, I've been watching Bosch. Love oh yeah, Bosch. That's um Titus Welliver Bosch. Titus Welliver, that's right. Yeah, I don't know if I've just and mentioned that. <laughs> no, no, that's his name. It is name. Yeah, yeah it's. Uh, <laughs> I think it's like his dad was like a really famous oil painter or something like that, and his dad's name is equally as cool. I can't remember oh, really? what it is though. <laughs> Oh, Jungle Book, and I really liked Jungle Book. Did you? I haven't seen it. It was yeah. good, was it? A couple yeah. of people have been saying it was very good. Maybe I should go and see it. Yeah, I mean, the the, the kid they got isn't, like, he's not going to win any acting awards. <laughs> but um, but that aside, other than, you know, it was actually, it's different enough from the animated film, but it, it's uh, it's still the same story. And so there's, you know, lots of familiar things, but uh, a slightly, slightly new retelling. Um, oh, really, cool. really enjoyable. Yeah. 
I, that's the thing because I can't remember how much I liked the story of the animation, and that's why I thought, oh, maybe I won't enjoy the film. But then maybe it'll put a new spin on it for me. Maybe. Um, the, uh, yeah, the acting is all really good from like all the voice actors. Cause yeah, you've got, you've got Bill Murray and and uh, Christopher Walken in there. And, oh, Christopher uh, Walken has such a great voice. Yeah, he plays King Louis, and it's just awesome. Oh, does he? Oh, that's yeah. cool. <laughs> it's so cool. <laughs> But, uh, um, Jungle Book actually I'll go through cinema releases because Jungle Book I know it's still out in the cinema so maybe I will give it a go uh, X-Men Apocalypse just came out Captain America's still out so you haven't seen Captain America I haven't, my husband saw it, he really liked it um, I, I, uh, I'm <laughs> not thrilled, I don't like I generally don't like superhero movies where your heroes are pitted against each other. I like your classic dynamic of bad guy versus good guy. All right. So. It's um I I like because it had Captain America just had so much more texture to it, like Batman versus Superman. It was like you know what might be fun, Batman versus Superman. Whereas Captain America, it's like they have this strong moral core and how do they feel about it? And it's almost like a family arguing. Um, mm. but I. I've been going on about it too much, though. I'm starting to think I'm like trying to hype it up. To, I'm hyping it up to people too much, and then people are going to see it and going, "I don't understand why you like that film." Um, Florence Foster Jenkins is still out, which I thought was kind of adorable. If you like Stephen Frears' films, yeah, um, I heard that was good. I, 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 I'm yeah. fascinated by the story itself. It is really charming, and the film is like almost 100 percent accurate as well, as far as I could find out. Uh, Florence, yeah, Florence Foster Jenkins is still out. A Hologram for the King is just come out, which is, I think it's based on a book of someone whose name I can't remember, and it's Tom Hanks. And I love Tom Hanks. I would watch Tom Hanks do anything. Pretty much, yeah. I, I've, I think I have watched him do everything. I'm not sure. <laughs> There's probably some films from the 80s that I've missed out on. Have you seen the Carly Rae Jepsen music video he's in? No, but I, I have to check. I can't remember the song. Oh, yeah, but he's in... If anyone's interested in watching Tom Hanks do a little bit of dancing, like, uh, go on YouTube and just put in, like, Tom Hanks, Carly Rae Jepsen video. Um, right, so what is the date today? So on the 27th of May, then this Friday, Love and Friendship is coming out, which is a Austin adaptation. It was a book... I think it was a book she didn't finish, actually. I should know more, really, because I really love Jane Austen. Um, Money Monster, which is directed by Jodie Foster and has got Julia Roberts and George Clooney, about sort of about the recession. That's out this Friday. So is Alice Through the Looking Glass, although I'm not sure I'll go and see that. Did you like the first but Alice in Wonderland? I didn't, like, I didn't like the first one, but the second one looks surprisingly good. It might be a bit of a surprise, actually, because no one ever really tackles through the looking glass. Everyone just does Wonderland. But it's also, it's it's not directed by Tim Burton. It's only produced by Tim Burton. Oh, so it's a little bit Which I, I see as a positive, actually. <laughs> I think Tim Burton is the step back a bit. What else? The 30th of May, which is like the middle of the week, uh, Warcraft is coming out. And I do love Duncan Jones. I have no interest in World of Warcraft, but I love Duncan Jones. Um, and on the 3rd of June we have The Nice Guys which is a 70s cop comedy thing with Ryan Gosling and Russell Crowe then we've got Race as well which is a biopic of Jesse Owens and then Me Before You which is a romantic comedy based on a Cecilia Hearn book which I will go and see because I will I, I'm always on a quest to find like the best romantic comedy they, they are out there I do I, I'll watch you know what's terrible though? Um, 
the, apparently it happens a lot though. Like if you get really drunk and lonely, which you do like when you're single, or you might do when you're married and you're like your spouse is away and you get drunk and then you go around on Netflix and you're like, you know what, I'll try that really bad romantic comedy because it looks terrible, but it might be really good and it might make me feel better. And then Netflix gets it into your brain then that that's all the films you want to watch. So next day it goes, you you were sad and pathetic and watched this really bad romantic <laughs> comedy. You might also like to watch this other pathetic sad romantic comedy. Yeah. Um, and then it's it's just it just takes over your Netflix feed for a while. I, yeah, I, I usually I, do. I know the struggle. Do you ever get? I get these categories usually that are um, strong female characters in dramatic roles. Yes, I got a lot of I, those. I'm I'm a big Juliette Binoche fan. Oh, so anytime I watch one of her films, it's <laughs> suddenly there's like there's all these French films about strong women <laughs> that are like. Just dominating Netflix for me. I love the way it freaks out whenever you watch anything slightly different then. It's like a small child must have been watching your Netflix today and just gives you all <laughs> like computer animations and things like that. I was going to say that anything you're looking forward to, but Sherlock 3 by the sounds of it. Yeah, that's probably, I mean, I'm so um, caught up in uh, the past of film, you know, as we were discussing with my PhD and yeah. things like that. Is when I'm on the chat at Film Inquiry, everybody's talking about new releases, and I'm always like, "Does anybody want to talk about like I don't know 1973? Like I can talk all day <laughs> about that." Um, I don't really keep up very well with new releases, but yeah, I am I am looking forward to Sherlock Three. It is weird. Like I kind of um, like if something excites me. Like there's some things I followed for years, like the production of Eddie the Eagle, and that you know if something's exciting. But then some things I haven't seen the trailer till I seen in the cinema, and then people kind of rate you as that's the whole. That's why with the podcast I do that little bit of news. But then I hate the fact that so many things are just about the news. That's why I like talking about films that are just you know, fifty million years old, because. It's like there are people who are like, I went to see, you know, Captain America at midnight. And it's like, yeah, but have you seen Singing in the Rain? I say that to everybody. Have you seen Singing in the Rain? And it's probably, no, Singing in the Rain is a brilliant film. Do you like Singing in the Rain? I haven't seen Singing in the Rain. Have you not? <gasps> no. Oh, that's a, that's I've... okay, though, because you've got other stuff to do. Yeah, you got a lot of rough I, um, films I always watch. watched. I always watched The Sound of Music. That was my <gasps> musical music. as a child. So, which is still actually, I I am slightly obsessed with The Sound of Music. It's still a brilliant film, isn't it? It's yeah. weird. Like you would have thought. I think the problem is, as a kid, we kind of ignored all the serious stuff, and then as an adult, we're like, "Wow, this is really quite deep and rich." And you you grow with it, don't you? And I think it's so funny because you start. You know, I saw it as a very young child the first time, and it was just fun. You know, all they're singing and they're playing games, and then they're, yeah. you know, it's an adventure. And then you get a little older, and you sort of have a crush on Rolf. And then you, have you a get older, on Rolf. Uh, a little bit, and then you get a little bit older, and now I have a crush on Christopher Plummer. I always had I my crush was always on Christopher Plummer, like even yeah, when I was but, really little. <laughs> Yeah, so now I just like that, you know, there's been, for me, there's been this transition. I've grown up with the film. Um, <laughs> I Have you ever seen uh, Battle of Britain and Christopher Plummer in that? He is so fit. He is just like, because the, that's the problem is, as like, because I suppose you get it as well as a girl and you really like film and blokes like to occasionally like compete with you and you don't feel like you can allude to how someone looks in a film because they might just go, oh, you know, you just like that film because Sense is in it. 
But occasionally now and then it's just nice to go, you know, like Manon is so eagle-eyed. Manon is our editor. I love Taryn Edgerton and she so knows like when I've like kind of um, worked Taryn Edgerton into one of my features. It's quite funny now. It's become a kind of ongoing joke. I do love Taryn Edgerton. He is awesome. It is, uh, Yeah, I mean, it's, um, it is funny. And I think there's, uh, not to get like super feminist on your fun and fancy free podcast, but... There is, I mean, there is a sense that as women, we can't really express that as much as like, if a, you know, a guy can freely say like, oh, Megan Fox was so hot in Transformers. Yeah. Like that, that's a totally accepted and sort of normal statement. Um, and there is a sense that like, if, if a girl was to say, well, Shia LaBeouf was really hot. Like, I don't, I'm not a huge Shia LaBeouf fan. But just yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. You know, it, it's, it gives, it's a different context, which is strange. Yeah, um, it, it is weird so. that. The let me think. Oh, so we got to the end of thingy films. I do a recommended film every podcast, and because I we watched so many documentaries that are going on about documentaries recently, I decided to recommend Zombieland because I love Zombieland. Um, have you seen Zombieland? I have seen Zombieland. It's a lot of fun. It is a it great is, film. It's just so much fun. I think if anyone's listening and they don't like zombie films, it's not so much a zombie film. It's like um. Is this guy Jesse Eisenberg and the apocalypse comes and it's it's really sweet I think I kind of uh, associate with him because he's like so insular and stays away from people like he basically survives because he doesn't have like any friends or social groups so he doesn't actually catch anything and it's him he's and, got all these rules doesn't he yeah like um he organizes himself in this way that he says what is it it's cardio, and I can't remember the rest of them, actually. There's all these rules he's got about um, how to stay alive, but even though he's staying alive, he's not really living. And then he meets Woody Harrelson and um, Emma Stone and uh, Abigail Breslin, and it's just such a funny film, and it's lovely, and everyone should watch it. And we are going to get on now to Jax's choices, three films. What do you have? Yeah. Um, so I've got The Dressmaker. The- <gasps> yes. Yeah. Awesome. I'm, I've I've been um, talking about this film as, absolutely as much. I wrote about it a little bit. I've been telling everybody because it's been, I think, woefully underplayed. Yes, definitely. Um, and it, it it didn't get a domestic release in America, so it didn't qualify for any nominations. And that it, I'm very upset about that because it was just a brilliant, brilliant film. Uh, so The Dressmaker, a film called Split by Deborah Kampmeyer who you might have heard me talk about before. Yeah, I saw your article. She, yeah, she, so she made Hound Dog, and, and, and I, I did an interview about this film with Deborah, and it's um, an absolutely brilliant... Um, What's some uh, split about? Because we've got... I've like gone on about Dressmaker a couple of times, so I hope everyone knows the story to Dressmaker, but what's the one to split? So Split is... Split is a little bit more of a difficult film, uh, slightly less accessible, but... Uh, you know, I don't think that should put anybody off. It's just, it's certainly in a headspace uh, of of an art of an art film more than mm. a mainstream film. But it is about a woman who is trying to discover who she is as a woman. You know, she's she's looking to claim her femininity, her sexuality. Um, and in the beginning of the film, she's going about this in the way that she thinks is right. But it is very much, you know, she's a stripper. It's very much the ideals the, that are presented to her, the way that, you know, she thinks she's supposed to be. 
Um, and this is how a woman is. This is what a woman does um, rather than this is what she does. And she has to go through this journey through the film and it's through a play that she becomes a part of, um, which is, you know, that she has to feel the pain of women and women as a whole, you know, uh, as a, as a, not a race, but, you know, as a gender as, and that we have a voice and that we need to be heard. It is a very much a feminist film. It is very, you know, it is very much, uh, has a very strong message at the heart of it, but it, it's, to me, it was very powerful and moving and it's doing the festival rounds right now. And if it's anywhere nearby, I, I feel like it's really worth that, people having a watch. Well, that sounds cool. Um, I've got to watch as well. Manon, when she came on, she recommended Hound Dog, which sounds awesome as well. Um, is that because yeah. you've got The Dressmaker as well, which are like another powerful woman's film? I mean, The Dressmaker is awesome on just all the levels. What is it about The Dressmaker that really appeals to you? Um, I, what I like about the dressmaker is, yes, there is a, it is certainly, you could class it as a feminist film, but I don't think it comes across, you know, with strong feminist overtones. It's just, you know, it's a strong female character and the film is pretty much saying, well, what's wrong with that? Mm. <laughs> you know, totally. and, and the only reason I think it's feminist is because it is a strong character. You know, but you've got, but you've also got, I mean, Hugo Weaving is in it and he's fantastic in it. Oh, yeah. Um, and just, but it also has this, at the heart of the dressmaker, this fantastic mystery and that unravels throughout and what happened to this woman and, and what is her past and who is she really? And I love a good mystery. And, uh, yeah. I just thought it was just such a great ride. I, I saw it on Manon's recommendation. On a whim, yeah. I was like, uh, I was waiting around for a train. I had a few hours to kill. Mm. These are the movies that are in the theater. Immediately, she said, dressmaker, go. And I was like, all right, off. I, uh, and it was it was fantastic. It was a great choice. Um, I know, yeah. I, and so, and my other choice was Sherlock, which we've already kind of talked about. But um, so why which did I, I also? Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, why do you pref- do you prefer Guy Ritchie's version of it to like Stephen Moffat, Mark Gatiss's? I don't. I don't really have a preference. I, I just separate the two of them. Very. Yeah, I, cool. I, I don't like to because I see them as very different adaptations. Um, I love Benedict Cumberbatch in uh, as Sherlock, and I think he does such an amazing job. Um, since since I already talked about that, I'll talk about the Imitation Game because I think the Imitation Game um, got overshadowed. By uh, Eddie Redmayne's um, oh, um, the- the- theory of everything, mm. yeah, um, and and you know, Imitation Game to me was just maybe the best film of the last few years. So. Really, because I I mean I love Benedict Cumberbatch, but I was um, I was a bit disappointed in it because I um, knew a lot about Thingy uh, Alan Turing. Turing. I can't believe I just forgot his name. Um, I read a lot about Alan Turing and things like that and when I watched the film I was just kind of like this bit didn't happen or like this bit didn't work and that and um I got I was a bit disappointed with it but I could see how like objectively it is still a great film but yeah it was a bit of a clash like last year and this year a little bit this whole kind of uh who can um 
who can kind of represent the best historical character and who can do it, you know, most accurately. And it's a bit of a shame then because Benedict's performance then was so subtle because with the autistic thing, you've got to be, you know, you've got to do it like this, whereas Eddie Redmayne got to actually use his sort of physicality and I think people are quite e- more easily impressed, aren't they, when they can see what you're doing as, yeah. as opposed to the subtleties. Sorry, go ahead. No, you finish. You finish. I was just, I was just agreeing that, but that, yeah, I, I think, I think maybe more than the film, it's, it, it is Benedict Cumberbatch's performance that I just came away from that film, so blown away by. Um, Benedict is great. Have you ever seen a film called The Third Star? No. It's this little independent film, and it's absolutely brilliant. It's, um, I can't remember who's directed by, it was directed by a woman actually, and it's, um. It's a guy um, in his like late 20s, he's played by Benedict, and he's dying of cancer and his friends take him on this trip to North Wales and it's just like them going to the beach. But it's really, oh, it's it's beautiful and it's heartbreaking. It's the loveliest performance I've seen by Benedict because he's so kind of vulnerable in it. And, but it's, oh, it's really lovely. Like if you love Benedict Cumberbatch, the third star, it's just awesome. You're gonna I, will, have to... I, I will put it on, I'm going to write it down now. Yeah, um, it's it's quite a few years yeah, old, so it'll be on DVD because I watched it on DVD. Yeah. It was just like a random thing. I used to talk to the people in Blockbusters, and someone said, "You know, the third star is really good." Um, but you're going to have to sell me because I I wasn't too sure about Guy Ritchie's Sherlock films, so I think you need to, I think you need to sell them to me, like because I will watch them again if you can like convince me. Oh, uh, did you? So you didn't? No, you didn't I, really like them. You've seen them now. Yeah, I've. Oh no. No, I have seen both of them because Stephen Fry is in the second one. It's Mycroft, isn't he? Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, did you were you a fan of the the novels or not the novels, but the the short stories? No, I haven't read. That's the thing. Everyone keeps telling me how much I'd love to read. Like how it's the kind of thing I would love, but I haven't read any of them yet. So what I think Guy Ritchie really captured in his films that's present in a sense in the books is this this thought process Mm. that Sherlock Holmes goes through and that he was able to find a way to visually represent this thought process that happens in a moment for Sherlock Holmes and he slowed it down, you know. Oh, yeah, I remember that. He slows it down and then then they play it back uh, as as it happens. So there's his visualization of it and then you go through it and it happens and it's over in a moment. And um, I thought getting into his mind, the mind of this guy and his mechanical understanding of everything. And uh, I just, I thought that was such such a cool way to do it. And no other adaptation had done that yet. You know, they've, they've kind of done that now in the show. Yeah. Um, But at, you know, at the time of the film, nobody had explored that. Sherlock Holmes had just been this sort of aloof um, guy (laughs) that was smart and just, and, and, and they used to just, it was all expository in, in the previous versions. He'd just explain it to you and sort of, and, and Guy Ritchie showed you, which was great. Well, that's, you see, that's kind of encouraging me to sort of watch it again. Because I have been thinking about, like, someone was telling me how much they liked, um, is it Game of Shadows is the second one? And I was like, yeah, maybe I should watch it again. <laughs> I will, maybe, <laughs> maybe I should give them another bash. Now we go on to the podcast. We always give everyone a little specialism. And I was actually reading about Jack's wrote this great article about how uh is it photosensitive epilepsy? Is that what his character Yeah, that's that's right, yeah. 
Um, Jacks has photosensitive epilepsy and she's wrote an article about it that I'm going to include in the information. But I was kind of curious about how much, it, like so many modern films, like especially the big blockbuster films, it must be like a huge issue for you. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's um, probably most films. There's at some point that I have to not only close my eyes, but cover them as well. So do you like recognize the light pattern because I I read something online and it sounds like what happens when you have because I have light sensitive migraines and mm. it sounds like you actually have a physical like you think if I don't cover my eyes you know I'm gonna have a seizure it is like a, that it's a physical reaction yeah so it it um you know it won't happen right away but if mm. I were to you know stupidly stare at flashing lights I will yeah I can feel it building up and I will have a, a seizure um, so I think, I think the, the best example that I use this in the article is kick-ass mm. has that, that scene. Cause, and the reason I think that's the best example is because it's, it's quite a long scene and it's just strobe lights the whole time. And, um, you know, but that, and, but even more subtle things, muzzle flashes, um, camera shake sometimes if it's moving between like you know trees or light and darks you know so it's like a sort of flash is the light coming and going yeah it's sort of the dark and light like the frequency of that oh that sounds scary but i suppose at your age now you're sort of used to it you know what to expect yeah and and um greg my husband's really good you know i'll just shut my eyes and and he'll go okay you can open them (laughs) so um so that's helpful because otherwise I'd just be there like sort of checking every now and again and oh, yeah, that, that, would be, that would be annoying. <laughs> that's going to be terrible as well if you're going to see a film for like the first time and you're like you're really excited about it and then halfway through you're like oh this bit's getting really exciting and then the lights come on you're like oh for god's sakes you know yeah I have to cover my I eyes. I mean it's certainly it's it's taken away my enjoyment of certain films when it's because I've there's certain films I feel like I've not even properly seen them because I've, it's happened so many times. Mm. So, um, and particularly action films use a lot of light flashes. So, Is there um, anything, so I assume the, uh, the reaction is the same, even if you watch it on TV. Um, it's a shame. Is there anything that anyone's come up with to make it like better? Is there anything they can do to a film when they put it on TV to make it easier? They haven't come up with anything yet, but um, we're actually going to try and work on something. That sounds like a good idea. Yeah, so something, um, some sort of either glasses or uh, attachment for glasses that you can kind of funnel. The, apparently it has to do with the, um, the angle the light hits. Mm. So... Um, if you can, if we can control that. So we're going to do some experimenting with it and, and, um, if we can come up with something, maybe, maybe try and get it out, uh, out to the world. Cause it would be great. Cause I, like it, it's not just films. It's like, you know, I want to go out to clubs and stuff with my friends oh, and you know, you yeah. can't, and even concerts, like there, there are a lot of bands I can't go see. So that um, sucks. <laughs> yeah. Like Muse. I really want to see Muse, but I know that they do a light show. Oh yeah, so. oh, I'd love to see <laughs> so. Muse live. You know, I was thinking of actually that uh, 
Hank Green, who, you know, he's a big video blogger and that, he created these glasses because he doesn't like going to see 3D films because they make him feel sick. And he invented these glasses that you can wear to a 3 like if you're going with your partner and they want to see it in 3D. And you just put on the glasses and it makes the 3D film 2D again. Oh, cool. Which is because in one way you kind of think, well, just don't go and see the 3D film. But if all your friends are going, you know, and it's like a social thing. Yeah, you don't want to be left out. That's a great idea. Yeah, I mean, you have to still pay a bit extra for the 3D film, but then you get to be with your mates. So it's like, yeah. Away. Now we come to the fun thing. I have three questions for you. Who would, okay. Who would play you in the film of your life? Oh, man. <laughs> I think... I think Ellen Page, probably. Oh, Ellen Page is a good choice. Yeah, I get Ellen Page a lot. So I think. I saw what people say you look like. I haven't gotten that in a long time, but when I was about 18, I looked like Juno. <laughs> so, All right. Um, I'm really warming to Ellen Page, actually, for a long time. I didn't like her, and then I thought, you know what? I'm just going to keep watching her films. So I've actually watched every single one of her films, thinking in the end that I would just come to like her, and I think I do now. Yeah, no, I really like her as an actress as well. I think I think she'd, yeah, I I, I think Ellen Page. She'd do a good job. Yeah. She'd do a good yeah, job, yeah. So. Um, yeah. Okay, next question. What film world would you live in? It doesn't have to be like a fantasy world. Ooh. It can just be like a, you know, New York or so something. Like if I could live in any world of a film. Yeah. So obviously you want to pick one where at the end it's still like a deep Oh, yeah, like where you don't die. I suppose that would be right. good. Yeah. Hmm. I think Manon said something like Pulp Fiction. Was it Manon? Yeah, she said something like that. And I was like, really? That says a lot more about Manon. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think think probably some kind of Disney world, like um, maybe like an animated Disney world, like Bambi or something. Oh, that sounds pretty. That's a bit sad. But as long as you're not Bambi's mum, that's like... Uh, yeah, I'm not Bambi's mum, but I just like, you know, I love the, um, I like the animation and, and the, uh, in in Bambi, this is something that a lot of people, I've studied Bambi for no reason other than I love it, but the sound effects in Bambi are all music. So uh, it's a world where sound is musical, which is, which is actually why I like it. I do a little thumper impression, but I'm not sure if I want to do it on the podcast. <laughs> okay, what film? I Well, I say, what film would you take to the desert island? But this is like a month on a desert island. The question basically is, what film could you watch like over and over again? Over and over again? Uh, Doctor, no, well, Annie Hall. Annie Hall. Yeah. I have got to watch Annie Hall again because I watched it years ago and everyone keeps saying to me, it's such a brilliant film. And I'm like, I, I don't remember. But is it really, it's that awesome? I watch it once a year at least. Yeah? Yeah. Like, and, and for, you know, and you know with, with the, the way we are and studying film and stuff, like that's quite a lot for us. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, yeah, once, at least once a year. I'm going I'm I'm to watch it again, I think. Because you clearly have very good taste in film, so I'm going to watch it again in your honour. Uh, thank you. I, I feel very honoured. Um, it, it is. It's my favorite Woody Allen. It was, I was going to say Dr. Strangelove, but then I thought, no, Annie Hall, because it's a little more, it's a little more fun. <laughs> yeah, because like, Dr. Strangelove's a little heavy. Whereas like uh, there's some films like Bringing Up Baby and Singing in the Rain. I just don't oh, get yeah. sing off. Or uh, His Girl Friday. <gasps> His Girl Could Friday. Could you not watch that like just forever? <laughs> His Girl Friday is just so good. Um, yeah. What amazes me is like, 
because I've got it on DVD, but I think it's actually the public domain. So it's like available on Netflix and that, but nobody's watching it. And it's like, it's such an awesome film. So I think maybe, is it the language? Is there a language barrier in the film now because of the way they speak in it? I, Are people not understanding what they're the, saying? There's now? some people and they just literally won't watch a film because it's black and white. And it's it's ridiculous. I've I've been I've heard that so many times. I I was very lucky and I've gotta give my my stepdad a shout out here because I think I was about seven or eight and I said black and white films are boring and he sat me down <laughs> and showed me black and white movies <laughs> that were really good. Like oh, Harvey, so good. Me Harvey. <gasps> yeah. Harvey is just the best yeah. part ever. And uh, 12 Angry Men. He oh, God. Me. And, and this is when you were eight? Yeah. Right I, I was, yeah, Harvey definitely when I was about seven or eight. 12 Angry Men might have come a little bit later. But yeah, he he wanted me to, to understand that just because the film was old and not in color didn't mean it didn't have value. Oh, that's so, so nice. We're going to move on to fun film festival stuff because Jackie has organized a film festival called the Drunken Film Fest. And if you want to tell us what it's all about. Absolutely. So uh, we're going to be showing free films from <gasps> free. around the world. Yeah, and we're we're, we're showing them in pubs. Uh, so all across Bradford for five days. Uh, so we're going to be in a different pub every day. Oh. And we're going to be showing, um, I mean, we're getting films from, I've got films from Argentina, Russia, Germany, some, you know, England, Wales, Ireland, you know, UK. Mm. Um uh, America, Canada as well, but I've got a film from Syria. We've got a um, a film from Qatar, and I mean, it's just unbelievable the the submissions that have come in. Um, are they all um, fiction features, or are they documentaries, or so it's a bit of everything. We've got yeah. features, shorts, docs. Um, we have a whole day dedicated to music videos. Oh, that sounds cool. Yeah. And um, we're going to be celebrating local film because Bradford is the city of film. So we're celebrating, mm. you know, our, our local filmmakers. So we're going to launch the festival with uh, with some local films. Is it right? Somebody said the film museum, the National Film Museum is in Bradford. It is. Yeah. Oh, the National Media Museum. That's so cool. And so you're going to be in a like you'll be in one pub all day. Yeah, well, this this year because it's because it's brand new, we're doing evenings, All right. and then I'm gonna see how people feel, mm. you know, because people have work and stuff like that. So uh, if next year, if there's interest, we'll move to full day screenings because we're we're getting enough interest in the festival to to oh, supply the cool. films. So. And why was it that you wanted to do this? Is it because you said about um, taking film festivals back? Yeah, so that's part of it. I mean, it started because they canceled the Bradford International Film Festival, oh. which was just, yeah, it was a Sucky. big shame. <laughs> um, but yeah, I wanted to take this, uh, take art back, take film back. Um, I'm sure you've come across this. You go to festivals, you pay an entry fee, and you see a film that was in cinemas, <laughs> oh. or will be in cinemas. Will be or, in cinemas, yeah. Or, uh, you know, has gotten funding from some studio, or has a a big star attached or um that that to me isn't the point of the film festival you know the film festivals for those people that are out there making films for 500 pounds yeah. you know scraping it together and still coming up with some quality um but then they don't have the outlet anymore 
yeah, uh, to, to get their film shown. So it's it's about giving them that back. That's why it can annoys me so much because it isn't about. Um, independent films clustering together. Like I love, I mean, Sundance is sort of still this way, but when Sundance was originally founded, it was all about, because apparently you, there was about, you had to be insured, obviously, to work on a film. So people would like go all cluster together in like Park City. It's a, it is Park City, isn't it? And kind of like show each other each other's films and go, if I, you know, and they used to say, well, I'll come and work on your film, but I'll do it under a fake name. And people would do this and people would basically make like, friendship deals like bonds like you know i'll buy you a beer and i'll tell you about my film and maybe you can come and sleep on my floor and be my cameraman and i like the fact the film festivals used to be like that but you go to like i went to tribeca film festival one year and it was just all about people showing off everybody had their smartphones up before smartphones were a thing and everybody thought they were so damn cool and i was like what happened to film festivals just being about you know like there are people in Sundance who apparently will just go around with them um, DVD little DVD players and like show their films on the corner of the street, and I love that. Well, yeah, exactly. So, but, but it's exactly what you're saying. So it's about taking it's about taking it back to to what it's meant to be, what it originally was. Yeah. You know? Oh, that sounds awesome. Um, so it's like I said, it's free. It's free for people to come down and check out the films and and give their feedback which is so crucial to young filmmakers. And what um, the, it's the end of July, isn't it? Yeah, the 25th to the 30th of July. So we're screening films the 25th to the 29th, and then we're having a big party on the 30th. Oh, cool. So, I will try and, and thing, come. <laughs> sorry, yeah. I'm going to try and you come. come up. Um, and everything's on drunkenfilmfest.com. All the info's up there. And the so. Twitter, I'll put all it in the information as well, but the Twitter is Drunken Film Fest, isn't it? At Drunken Film Fest. Yeah, at Drunken Film Fest. Yeah, really, really simple. That's brought us to a good point now because I was going to say at the end, you know, all the details, but you are on game. You're on your publicity game. You're like, I know all the dates and everything. <laughs> I don't need them written down anymore. I would be awful. I would have to have like a list because I've got a really good memory. But then I I doubt myself a lot, so I have to have everything written down, hence all the notes. Anyone listening to this podcast, Julia has notes. They're not particularly neat or pretty, but they're there. Right, so I suppose that's everything for this episode. Thank you, Jack, so much for doing this. Julia, thank you so much for having me. This has been a blast. It's been really I've good. had so much fun. It's, yeah. We're going to have to like Skype more. This is actually the first time me and Jack have talked over like Skype. That yeah, we've never seen like each other before. Yeah, it's been fun. Um, I shall put the link to Jax's article about her epilepsy. I'm going to put all the links to the film festival thing, my article about the Wales International Documentary Festival, and my review of Florence Foster Jenkins. It's all going to be down in the information. And you can find me at Julia Joy Film. And, um, and now I lost my voice. And um, everyone remember to enjoy your movies and go watch Zombieland because it's awesome. <laughs>